I'm Matt Brownell. And I'm Van Owens. And I'm Tim Adams. Welcome to Climbing the Mountain, where we dive into the scriptures and discuss themes, connections, and real-life application. We're kicking off a series here where we're going to examine the Sermon on the Mount and discuss implications for this teaching for Christians today. Welcome back. We are now in the second episode of Judge Not. Last time we talked about how awesome God is, that he is our ultimate judge, and that takes pressure off of us. We don't need to judge others. Instead, we can view people the way that God does. Uh, If you are in Christ, all of your sins have been paid, and God showers you with approval and love. And Because he has been so gracious to us, shouldn't we be the same to others? Last time we talked about James 4, and we didn't really get into the the words here. The same word for judge is used in Matthew 7, which is where we are now. We're in Matthew 7. And... What's interesting about the way James uses it is he's the 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 words any anyone who speaks against a brother uh, or judges it's really anyone who speaks against a brother and judges what you're saying is what came before qualifies and it, it basically you are judging which the, this word is a neutral word you are judging someone as evil and because. God uh, has already uh, paid the price for your sins. That is wiped clean, and we shouldn't be doing that. Let's get into the context of Matthew 7 again to frame the next set of questions we have here, because there are so many more. Mm-hmm. Jim, you want to read this for us? Sure. Matthew 7, verse 1 through 6. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck of saw, the speck out of, your own eye, out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample you under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Thanks, Jim. So we've got one of the funniest mental images in the Bible here to deal with, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the blanking. I mean, Jesus starts off pretty serious, but he, he rapidly paints a ridiculous scene with this person trying to get a speck or sawdust out of someone else's eye. All the while, they've got this giant log sticking out of theirs. Mm-hmm. And it's totally obscuring, obscuring their view. When we're planking, we're not fooling anyone. There's something fundamentally flawed in comparing ourselves to others, which is what we were talking about last time. Again, there's only one judge who is able to see clearly why do you think we do this so often? Is there a personal example you can share that illustrates how ridiculous this is? Well, I think it comes from insecurity. Uh, and, you know, I am I am the king of insecurity, I think, sometimes. And I can remember once, uh, this was a long time ago when I was a young man, 
um, in the campus ministry. I was talking with a, a good friend of mine in the church, and we were talking about, I think we were talking about academics. We were talking about studying. And I was kind of pontificating, talking about how how important studying is and how that's your number one task when you're a student. That's your job. And that's what, and as I was talking, he kept going, ow. <laughs> and then he would go, ow. <laughs> and then I'd say, what's wrong with you? And he said, well, every time you turn this way, you hit me in the face with the plank sticking out of your eye. <laughs> because he knew that I wasn't a very good student. <laughs> and so, you know, but I, and, but I do think it comes from, it comes from an insecurity. It comes from a mm. wanting to, um, we used to have this um, expression when I was a kid growing up in Mattapan, it was uh, selling a wolf ticket. Somebody who was selling a wolf <laughs> ticket was somebody who was acting really tough, but was really a coward. And I think that I know that I have a moral equivalent of selling a wolf ticket sometimes, that I'll talk on and on and on about something, usually in judgment of somebody, saying how terrible a person that is, or how unspiritual a person that is. I almost got caught up in it over a, a news story, even just yesterday, where I was going to talk about how unrighteous this person was pretending to be righteous. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, oh, wait a minute, I'm doing Judge Not tomorrow, so there's a plank sticking out of my face. <laughs> Because I'm not a very righteous person, and the the desire to belittle that person yeah. comes from a desire to feel like I'm a more righteous person. Yeah, I I can so relate to that. I think uh, the what you were saying about insecurity. I think the other times that um, other times I, I see it happening in in my life is if someone wronged me. But I think that's also coming from a place of pride. Mm -hmm. which insecurity is a form of pride. And I, and I think that, I mean, I, uh, th this is, it feels like it's, I don't know, it feels hardwired in somehow, mm. like we are all of us looking for approval and praise somehow, and none of us are going to get it except from God. But I, as a kid, I remember very clearly, uh, you know, I was the oldest, I was the achiever, I did everything the best. And, and then uh, sometimes I'd also point out when my brother didn't do something right <laughs> and tattletale right. and he, he, he was a pretty smart guy. He eventually figured out one time he did something wrong and I, I told on him and, and I didn't expect what, what happened next. He said something that I did, which was even much worse. <laughs> and suddenly no one cared what my brother did. They were all like, right. what did you do, Matt? And yeah. uh, that backfired pretty bad. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't look better at all. We mm -hmm. ended up tearing ourselves down. Mm. Well, so I, I think there's a couple things here that are really interesting. I think the first is that Jesus goes back to the uh, eye and obstructed views. Um, mm -hmm. Since we had the good eyes uh, not not very long ago, mm -hmm. and how good eyes meant you viewed the world through generous terms, and go back and listen to the pod if you aren't, I forget what number it is, you'll find it, <laughs> after 31. Um, and... And so he goes back to this, like this obstruction in our view and our ability to view people generously and our our ability to think the best of people. It seems like that's being obstructed in this passage. Um, so I I think that's an inter that's definitely an interesting thing of this. I think 
a personal example I always come back to is having kids um, and being a dad mm-hmm. because we, um, and I'm all, this is not a parenting podcast, but I will just plug, I am all for having high expectations of my children and expecting my kids to behave well. But it's very easy as a dad to expect my kids to behave better than we behave in front, than I behave in front of them. And when I tell my kids they need to be patient, and then I come downstairs and go, I'm hungry. Where's <laughs> breakfast? And then my kids do that. And I say, no, you have to be patient. Well, then mom and dad come down and complain about why breakfast isn't ready or why the coffee isn't ready. Mm. And then we expect our kids not to. And it's there's frequently, as a parent, there is a plank sticking out of my eye uh, when I see my kids' behavior. <laughs> They're a mirror, aren't they? Yeah, more so than I would like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just um, you know, I was thinking of a bunch of examples, but most of my examples have to do with just yeah, I want to elevate myself above someone else, right? Yeah. And um the place I went to grad school, uh a lot of people go there as tourists, and I would love walking through the tourist areas thinking I was so cool because I was a student <laughs> and they were the tourist, right? Which right. is like totally ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But that would go through my head mm. so often and I'd have to be like, I shouldn't be thinking this way. Um, but I think it's this uh, wanting to feel superior. Yep. Oh, man. I'm going to share something that I am really embarrassed by. But I went to the same school you did. And I remember after my freshman year, I was home with my dad. And I was telling him, this is amazing. And I'm having so many amazing conversations with people and they're brilliant and we're talking about all kinds of cool things and I'm so glad I don't have to deal with stupid people anymore and as soon as I said it I was like ooh that was mm-hmm. that wasn't good why was that in my heart and my dad didn't say anything he didn't react he just was silent mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was like oops and after a minute he responded with with something like Matt uh, you'll find out eventually not everyone's on the same path, but we're still all people. Mm-hmm. I was like, yep, that was dumb. I used to work for the same school they were talking about. And uh, while there are some very smart people there, it, it, you, you realize everybody's at, even the smart people are not smart in everything. That's true. And that is Yes. <laughs> yeah, we just we just get in trouble when we're trying to find our self-esteem from any place other than God. That's right. Because what happens is we try to find it amongst ourselves. And the easy way to get it when it's just us all together is for me to figure out ways I'm better than everybody else sitting around the table. Mhm. And the easy way for me to communicate that is to belittle somebody else who's sitting at the table, whether it's in a very subtle uh, sort of uh, passive aggressive way or whether it's in an aggressive aggressive way to what I'm essentially saying when I do that is I'm saying you're stupid and I'm not. Yeah. And that makes me better than you. But you know what? How do you feel after that? You feel horrible. You feel you feel like less than a person. 
instead of making it f- making you feel better, you might feel better briefly, right? But then you're right back to being insecure, yeah. Because that's not real. That's not exactly. reality. That doesn't matter. Exactly. It's a it's a quarter pounder with cheese. <laughs> you feel good about it when you buy it, <laughs> and you're really craving it. But you get halfway through it, and you're like, "This is poison. I'm killing myself." <laughs> yeah. Why did I do this to myself? This smelled, it looks so good when I went through the drive-thru. It doesn't look like that now. Exactly. It still smells good. Oh, yummy. And then, no. Right. No. And, then you, and then you regret it for about six hours after exactly. you're done. Exactly. Yep. So this word for speck or splinter, there's a sense perhaps that what the planker is attempting to correct is related in some way, maybe to what they themselves are suffering. Is that what it means? Is it some particular or a similar sin or sin in general? Or do you think Jesus had something else in mind? Like, uh, do you think he's addressing self-righteousness? That was, that was one of the things I was wondering if, if, if so, if the latter, why, why would it be such a huge issue compared to other sawdust splinter kind of sins is there some significance in portraying it as a log or a plank well this is this is an interesting one to me because so i have a i have a very uh sensitive thing about my eyes i'm very <laughs> i am a 3 year old little girl when it comes to my eyes when i go to the optometrist i tell the optometrist I'm a three-year-old girl with my eyes. So just do what you're going to do. Don't tell me about it. I don't want to know. Don't say, I'm going to take this little plastic cone and almost touch your eye with it. He can't do that because then I just can't do it. And so when I think of a, a, a piece of sawdust in my eye, that's one kind of discomfort. But when I think about a splinter in my eye, something sticking into my eye, then I get very, that makes me scared. And what what I think of when I look at this passage is what he's talking about when you're talking about uh, taking a, a, a speck of dust out of your brother's eye, um, the plank getting in the way of your own eye. I think what he's talking about is sin. I think mm-hmm. what he's talking about, and and you have to understand that sin is harmful poisonous. It will kill you. And um, so as I was thinking about this, preparing for this talk, I thought it, it, it's almost synonymous with like cancer. Hmm. If you find out you have a single cell of lung cancer that will grow if it's going to kill you, it, that one single cell left unabated will kill you. If you have a tumor the size of a golf ball in your lung, that will kill you as well. It'll just kill you faster. Either way, it's important to understand that what we're talking about is something that's really serious and that can really hurt you. It's um, it's not harmless. It's it's really really harmful. Yeah, hmm. uh, I like that point about they're both harm. They're both the spec of sawdust is not good for your eye to be in, but the plank is a ridiculous picture. I I was going to say, I think it really helps me to remember who's listening to this, mm-hmm. like the groups of people that are listening and what they would have struggled with. I think 
there were some things where Jesus was talking where he was sort of talking directly at the Herodian tendencies, the kind of Jews who wanted to have it both ways, like the money conversation. I think he was saying, you know, no, you cannot have it both ways. And I think with this one, he's uh, he's he's addressing, I think, I can't prove it, he's addressing the Pharisees. And because they're, I'm a, generally a defender of the Pharisees. I think we're too hard on them for a variety of reasons. I think we use them as a stand-in for a lot of things they're not. But I think one of their weaknesses was they didn't really value people on the margins. They didn't value the vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Um, They didn't really value anyone who didn't measure up to their standard. And I think what Jesus is trying to tell them is God wrote an entire Bible about taking care of people. I mean, he, if we look through the, the law, the prophets, it's very cl- it should be very clear that God values people above his laws. And, you know, occasionally people would break a law, like Rahab broke the law to care for people, and God was o- seemingly okay with it. And I think what I don't know, I've never, I haven't thought uh, until Matt gave us the questions, I hadn't thought a ton about the size, but there could be a thing where God is saying, yeah, some of these people aren't following Torah perfectly. They might not be following my law perfectly, but you're missing the point that I still value them and that you are to treat them with the same value I I do. And that's a lot more important than the small ways they're breaking Torah in your opinion. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they may have a speck of sawdust in their eye, and maybe we need to address that. That speck of sawdust still needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. But you have this major thing that I've spent thousands of years talking to you about and teaching you about that you're just ignoring. Mm-hmm. And that's this big plank. And until you can get rid of until you can start doing what I've said I care about, you really can't help all these other people. Mm. Yeah. You know, there's also a sense in um, if I'm thinking about um, sin and I'm thinking about part of my um, part of what I'm obligated to do as someone who calls himself a Christian is to help my brothers deal with their sin. Yeah. In some ways, my brother's sin is always a speck of sawdust. Compared to my own sin. <laughs> yeah. Because yes. my own sin is what I primarily need to deal with. You know, I was telling uh, my wife the other day, uh, we were talking about ooh, compare, preparing a, a communion message for church. And I was saying the the difficulty for me sometimes as someone who teaches lessons and gives talks sometimes is this propensity to use the scriptures on people. Mm. to think, oh, this is what Matt, Matt struggles with this. And so, and I read a scripture that talks about that and I'm like, oh, I had it. I got to tell this one to Matt because Matt needs this. It may be true. It may come from a good heart, but whatever Matt's sin is, I'm not Matt. (laughs) So I can't, I don't know the depth of it. I don't know where it comes from. I don't know how he's doing with it really. I do know what mine is. And so in that sense, mine is always a plank. And here's the thing about a plank. I can see a plank. (laughs) 
<laughs> and if there's a plank sticking out of my eye, I can work to remove that plank from my eye. If I'm if my feet are on the ground, if I'm living in the real world, if I'm not trying to make myself look better or trying to play one upmanship with anybody. And so I think in that sense, my sin is always a plank. Hmm. And it's something that I have to constantly deal with in my relationship with God and in my relationship with my brothers and sisters. As I wrestle with this, I think I was I was thinking about this as you know maybe it's a both and maybe it's there is there maybe he's intending the general like sin and then maybe he's he's also has the pharisees in mind Mm -hmm. i I think it could be both and because you're right like anything your eye is going to hinder your ability to see Mm -hmm. and make good judgments and all sin does that to us Mm -hmm. our hearts are pulled away from god's truth by desires our desires uh, turn us toward darkness instead of God's light. Mm-hmm. And so on the one hand, Jesus could be saying, you know, if you if your heart is all out of whack with sinful desire, you're in no place to counsel someone in holiness, get your yourself in order. Um, I think that's true. And I think that aligns with the inference that we should be helping each other. I think that's, we should, to, to see clearly, I think we all should be doing that. And I think sin, um, you know, that we don't want to let go, it, I think this is an idol, this is something that we um, have to be careful about. In Psalm 115, it talks about those who make idols will be like them. Mm-hmm. And so all who trust in them. So whether it's money, sex, a job, um, power, status, th- these kind of things harden us. Just like the physical idols were this mute, blind, hard object, we become like that. Mm-hmm. in a sense, whatever we're searching after. And so we don't want, if we're supposed to be helping each other, you know, uh, destroy our idols. We don't want someone who's blind. <laughs> Think of a heart surgeon coming in. This is heart surgery, right? Mm-hmm. Like working on people's hearts. Seeing someone who's blind hacking away, you know, that's not going to end well. But as I reflected more on this, I think self-righteousness is a, is a special kind of hardness. Mm-hmm. It's, um, you know, the and I think it relates back to this this concept of of self-deception that's kind of a through line through here from the previous chapter and how blinding that is. Self-righteousness blinds us uh, to our our need for God's mercy and and um, and this goes back again to comparing ourselves to others and uh, what this is talking about as we look, Back and forward, even in the passage, I think this is where I think you're right, Jim, about maybe he's having the Pharisees in mind because what's going off in the next verses after this, but about uh, false leaders and judging and um, God is the ultimate judge. And so maybe he's has them in mind. Uh, I don't I don't know. Um, But if. If you don't really know God, which we'll see in chapter seven, that being a, a big deal, if you don't really know him, you're not really trusting him. You're still trying to justify yourself, which comparing yourselves to others is kind of the classic symptom of self-justification. Thank you that I'm not like those other people, the right. robbers, evildoers, all that. I'm, uh, you know, uh, you're not going to go home justified before God in that kind of situation. So uh, in in what you said, I want to kind of bring back one part of this that we kind of have sort of not I don't want to say we glossed over, but we've we've kind of gotten 
away from it just a little bit. And that's where he says, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, we, we sort of say judge and measure, and, and they are very similar, but I think with the question about the good, eye, like the eyes, the measure sort of denotes a co- commercial transaction to some degree of, you know, if Tim is buying grain from me, I give him, I can either give him a generous measure of grain or I can give him a stingy measure of grain. Mm. And, um, you know, like the, I don't know exactly how they did it, but there's ways to be generous in our measurements. And it all, it, it feels when I read this, that Jesus is saying, if you're generous in your measurements and in your judgments, he says the measure you use will be measured to you. So, God will kind of maybe view us and sort of make judgments about us with the same standards we're Mm. applying to others. And if we're the same lack of generosity, not God, I think God, I don't think God would just do it like kind of a tit for tat, you know, uh, like punitive thing, but he's, it certainly sounds like he's saying if we're generous in our measurements of people, if we're generous in our judgments, God's going to be very generous with us. And so to get to Matt's point about self-righteousness, if we view ourselves as being so valuable, if we use the measure the measure we use for ourselves, we need to be very careful because if we think we're following everything great, like the Pharisees did, we might have a blind spot that mm-hmm. this plank, and the plank could be obscuring the blind spot. I mean, it's mm. if there is a plank in your eye, you probably can't see out of that eye. Or, you know, depending on how close your eyes are together, uh, you know, you couldn't see a beam. A beam could be covering your whole face. And so we have to be very careful that we're allowing ourselves to see what our own stuff is, what our own issues are, and mm. not thinking that we have it so good and that we're so much so that I'm yeah. so great that, you know, I just And and also it reminds me of the unmerciful servant, right? It, yeah, if you're not seeing how much God has forgiven you mm-hmm. and you go out and and judge other people harshly. I mean, God is incredibly generous to us and mm-hmm. we should have the same attitude toward others. Tim, do you want to add some comments and close this one out for us? Well, I just think the one thing that's been helpful for me when I've been looking at the Matthew scriptures to go to the the Luke Mm. uh, equivalent, because there's some really interesting um, differences Mm. and it ties together a lot of what you guys say. So I was going to read some of that. Cool. Um, It says, don't judge, you won't be judged. Don't condemn and you won't be condemned. Mm. Mm. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Another unmerciful servant there. Give and it will be given to you. There's a generosity. Mm-hmm. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. That kind of taught me a little bit how they must <laughs> yeah. have done it. That's how they did it, I guess. For with the measure you use, will be measured to you. Then it says, um, it puts in, is it, he also told them this parable, can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. And then it goes to the speck of sawdust. That blindly the blind, Jesus uses that for the Pharisees all the time. I was like looking at it. It's blind guides. Blind guides. He calls them blind guides a bunch. Yeah. Um, 
And so I do think there's a lot to the fact that he's talking to the Pharisees, to those who are struggling with self-righteousness, self-justification. Um, but also it's, it's even without that, you know, just a plain meaning, you got a plank in your eye, you're effectively blind, which is what you were saying, Matt. Yeah. And you're not going to be able to help someone else. You're just going to lead them into the pit that you yourself are in. Mm. Um, so I, I think that the scripture is like uh, super, super helpful because mm. it it says all the same things, but it remixes a little bit the order um, yeah, of like the generosity that. scriptures and all that the stuff. The Bible always says it better, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does. This has been great, guys. Thank you so much. Let's come back to this another time. Thanks. Thanks.